Welcome into Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here. And the draft, it's in the it's in the rearview mirror. We're done with that already. It's already time to start looking towards free agency just a few days away. And Gavin, there have been some big reports about one Jalen Brunson being linked to the Knicks. Yeah, Mark Stein uh, reporting the Knicks are interested in offering Jalen Brunson a four-year, $100 million offer. Jake Fisher of Bleach Report has noted that the offer could get up to four years, $110 million. And there's some reason to believe beyond just money, Jalen Brunson is very intrigued with what the New York Knicks have to offer. Uh, should he be? Should they be? We'll get into it all and much more on free agency. All the latest right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. And we want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast app or you're checking us out on YouTube, where you can see our beautiful smiling faces every day, greeting you that way. And maybe engage in the comments section. It's been it's been a pretty rowdy time down there lately. Especially <laughs> on the Ty Soto videos, right? <laughs> yeah, that, that one definitely was was pretty spicy. So there's there's a lot going on in the comment section right now. Uh, but I am Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Nick's site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. He is Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster, favorite play-by-play broadcaster. And Gavin, uh, I'll throw it to you to introduce this news. We've got some interesting quotes here from uh, Mark Stein and others about the Knicks' pursuit of Jalen Brunson to get into. Yes, I'll just I'll just read it straight through. Uh, sources say that New York's ability during Thursday night's draft to unload Kemba Walker's salary, coupled with a growing belief that it could shed further salary, um, has established the Knicks as a very credible threat for Brunson. One source close to the process described the threat as very, very, very real. That was three varies if you if you weren't counting. According to Stein, New York's four-year offer is expected to be in the hundred million dollar range. Stein added that when the season ended, the Mavs thought that the deal or that Brunson could be retained for a deal closer to 85 to 88 million in total value. Um, beyond just the money, Stein notes a growing belief amongst some close to the situation that Brunson is enticed by the opportunity to become New York's unquestioned lead guard on top of strong family ties, and that he covets a new challenge and broadened responsibility with the Knicks. Um, beyond that, Jake Fisher noted on the latest episode of his podcast that the Knicks were looking at an offer somewhere in the range of four years, $100 million, but that there were people around the NBA that thought the offer could get to four years, $110 million. Of course, Alex, uh, those offers are contingent on the Knicks' ability to continue to offload salary. You trade someone like Nerlens Noel, you get that closer to $110 million. You trade someone like Alec Burks, it's it's a bit closer to $100. You, you have some combination of those guys. Maybe you sign and trade. I don't know. Uh, this is something Jonathan Macri put out there today, Julius Randle. But 
Certainly interesting. Uh, what, what were your thoughts on those reports, both in terms of it, I guess, passing the smell test for you, and also how you're starting to feel about an increasingly realistic possibility that Jalen Brunson could become a Nick when it seemed like most intel before the draft was leaning more and more towards him staying with the Mavericks? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, I feel pretty good about them getting him at this point. Like, honestly, <laughs> with Bet Online as the title sponsor, if there's odds out there to take Brunson to the Knicks, I'd probably do that right now because I, it's starting to feel more and more like a certainty to me. Uh, unless something crazy happens between now and, you know, nighttime on the 30th, you know, on, on Thursday. So it's, I I feel good about it. I know we've talked about Brunson quite a bit, you know, dating all the way back to my gosh, like even during the season, we were talking like Lauren Gunn from Mavs Moneyball about it, Um, you know, and, and getting engaged for Jalen Brunson and, you know, what type of player he is and whatever. And, Obviously, the the playoffs really helped him. I think that probably that playoff run probably made him about another twenty million dollars, if we're being honest. Um, and that's where you know the Knicks needing to clear this more cap space to get him is coming from because you know that they the Mavs would probably have signed him for a lower figure, and maybe the Knicks wouldn't have been willing to you know go out of their way to clear all this cap space had he not had as good of a, a postseason as he did. But obviously, he was such a standout in the games that Luca had to miss. And even the games that Luca was playing, he was he was still playing fantastic. So, um, the fit wise, I'm feeling pretty good about it. I I'm still, I don't know. I think the thing that that worries me a bit is what this means for Emmanuel quickly going forward, uh, because I know that you and I are both pretty sold on quickly, and so are many people, you know, in in Knicks fandom and you know the the Knicks content sphere, uh, and want to see quickly have that opportunity to finally be the guy, be the point guard and not just kind of keeping shoehorned into this like limited minutes bench guard, not even quite sixth man role that he's been in for his first two years, other than the the spot starts here and there. So it's mixed feelings, but I, you know, I really like the idea of, of bringing Brunson on the contract does not scare me that much. If it's like four for a hundred, particularly if maybe they work out some sort of deal where they, they front load it rather than back load it where he makes more money in the early stages of the contract and it gradually decreases rather than, you know, the other way around, which a little more rare with NBA contracts, but it does happen like somewhat often, you know, I wouldn't Julius say Randall's good example. Yeah. 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 Julius Randall has had that on his deal and, and others. So, you know, I, I think that it's all in all something that I'm just sort of, I don't want to say coming to grips with, but getting used to the idea of uh, Brunson in a, a Knicks uniform, how the rest of the roster fills out is going to be more intriguing to me. Like if that Julius for uh, Brunson sign and trade comes to pass and the Knicks can then save all the assets that they would have had to use to attach to like Nolan's Noel and whoever else to clear that cap space. I think that's really palatable. Um, you know, I, I think that that sort of, takes care of uh, something that seems sort of like a problem, you know, and probably is a, a, a one of the, you know, destinations that Julius Randall would feel really good about going to considering it's his hometown. And, you know, he was literally at the Mavericks game with Nick's brass, like uh, during this postseason. So, uh, you know, maybe that's an option that could work well for both parties where the Mavs say, all right, well, we're losing Brunson, but at least we're getting back a guy that made all NBA 
uh, you know, two seasons ago, even if he had a pretty beleaguered uh, 21 to 22 season. So I'm intrigued to see how it's all going to work out and how the roster is going to take shape. But all in all, I'm getting used to the idea of Brunson on the team. And I think my only real worry is just the, the IQ situation at this moment. Yeah, I'll say real quickly, just look, Julius Randle's contract is actually ascending, but that is a Brock Aller special in that I think essentially everyone they re-signed last season other than Randall has their contract going down. So I think that's very feasible. Um, Alex, this is something that I don't want to dive too deep into just yet, but maybe maybe a little tease for everyone. I think it's I think this is where it really hurts you, not not to fixate on this that you didn't play Emmanuel quickly big minutes for all of last season, right? Because for all you know, you have a guy who, and this is a stretch to say, because Jalen Brunson is dropping, what was it, over the first three games of the Jazz series, like 32-5-5. and five. Like This is a guy who has had monster production in the playoffs. To compare Emmanuel quickly to him at this point is a little ridiculous. But given Quickly's production down the stretch, given some of the underlying analytics about how much better when Quickly is on the floor – you almost wonder if you had played quickly a full season, if you'd look at these two guys and say they're though, how they get it done is very different in terms of their scoring packages, maybe not dramatically different in terms of their impact ultimately. And then maybe you're looking at a scenario where you're like, I don't know if I want to give Jalen Brunson that kind of money, but whenever you sign one of these contracts, I, I think the rationale and how you feel about it ultimately comes down to, can you get off the deal? So I want to talk about that. I want to talk a little bit more about him versus Emmanuel quickly. But before we do all that, Alex, you mentioned them. So I got to shout him out again. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball odds. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live sports. Bly betting, esports, and scores. EmbedOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And on top of all that, they also have these niche NBA odds that you can find, including uh, the next team. This is going to make everyone happy for Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, if not the Nets. The Knicks, actually, Alex, are pretty high on both. They have 11 or 6 to 1 odds for Kevin Durant, which I don't see happening. And 4 to 1 odds for Kyrie Irving, a little bit more feasible. You want to throw some money that way? I personally, I'm kind of intrigued. Oklahoma City, 8 to 1 odds for Kevin Durant. I think that would be a pretty cool story. And BetOnline is the place to go for all of that. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game is starts but Alex to to your point as this all becomes a little bit more real right and we're, we're sitting here and we're like oh we're actually going to give Jalen Brunson that money it, it's sort of like the situation I don't know if you had this when you were in high school but maybe classic high school movie trope right guy gets his dream girl and then all of a sudden he's with her and he's like oh wait you know what all my problems weren't solved overnight and I know it's a stretch to say Jalen Brunson is is, is the quote-unquote dream girl for the New York Knicks, right? That's, that's more of uh, I don't know, Kevin Durant uh, two years ago or LeBron James uh, back, in the, back in the aughts. That being said, this is the guy we've been pursuing all year. This is the guy we've been talking about on the podcast all year. Does it, does, I, I know you said the contract doesn't scare you at all, but I guess does the asset allocation worry you at all? The fact that they're going to have, they already moved off a first round pick as part of this transaction. They're potentially going to have to move off Another pick, if they want to trade someone like Nerlens Noel, um, they'll potentially have to move off Cam Reddish, who's, who's almost like a first-round pick and that they had to trade a first-round pick to get him. And I don't know if you're like me, you still think he's a guy with some potential. Does all that worry you when, when there might be an in-house option in Emmanuel Quickly, who, if he was actually given the reins and allowed to play 
under the same circumstances Jalen Brunson has the last two years is maybe a pretty similar player. Again, no guarantee on that, but maybe. Yeah, it does worry me a little bit. I mean, so as far as the actual Brunson contract, I feel like he'll live up to it uh, or should at least, you know, not be like a a massive negative or anything. You know, maybe if it, if it is a descending contract, people look at him for the first year or two and think, okay, this guy's a little overpaid. And by the end of it, when he's really hitting his prime, you say, okay, never mind. He's he's accurately paid, you know, for for what he's doing on the floor right now with basically being like not a superstar, but certainly not just a dude. Um, as far as the assets, though, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I think what's going to be really discouraging to me is if the Knicks need to include even one of those protected first round picks that they just got back to clear the space to sign Brunson. Then all of a sudden you're looking at it in the total aggregate and you're like, all right, well, this is a lottery pick and four second round picks and uh, a protected, you know, first round pick to just clear the space to sign this guy. And that's where you're starting to think like, all right, what could that package in a vacuum have gotten you? You know, like combined with maybe one or two players, like could that have gotten you something better than Jalen Brunson? You know, like why are, why are you spending this much just to clear the space? And is he going to be enough of an answer that you can comfortably say like it was worth it to spend all these assets to create that space because Brunson is that good? I don't know if that's the case or not. I will say, I, you know, I think there's a very real case that we're seeing sort of a, I think we've said this before in regards to him, like sort of a Fred Van Vliet trajectory with him where, you know, he's gone from, he's a little undersized on the surface, but plays good defense. Like, you know, can do a little bit of everything can play on ball, off ball, whatever, you know, in, in those ways, they're actually quite similar. Although Brunson is a way better, you know, player getting to the inside and probably less good of a shooter than FVV overall, but like similar career trajectories in that way. And, you know, so I think there's a real chance that we're seeing that sort of, you know, upward swing for Brunson here where like, okay, now he's had that like standout playoff run. The confidence is there. He wants this new challenge with the Knicks and he's going to be empowered to be a, a real driving force of this offense. But with, with great power comes great responsibility in that case, you know, it, you're going to have to, you know, be able to keep your production levels up and your efficiency levels up while being more of a focal point if you're Brunson on the Knicks now. And so there's also a risk that that doesn't work out. And so again, it's, this isn't, as you said, a, a dream girl scenario where you're getting a Kevin Durant or something where, you know, it's, it's pretty much a guarantee that you're going to get, you know, the best possible uh, outcome with this player. And, you know, you're going to have, although, that wouldn't have even been the case in 2019, but I digress. Like, you know, it's it, you're betting on someone having increased production and being more than what they've been to this point in their career, or at least betting on a singular postseason and saying, we think this that this is who Jalen Brunson is now, and we're going to bet on that. And that's why he's worth this money and why he's worth using all these assets to get off of money to go get him. Um it's it's definitely a risky transaction, and and I hope the Knicks aren't treating it too lightly, uh, in terms of the the asset use to be able to clear up this space for him. Yeah. So and and here here are my concerns about 
Brunson as a player. Are we sure that Dallas wasn't the absolute perfect environment for him? Getting to play off Luka Doncic, who I think at this point, given LeBron James's like aging trajectory, you you can argue has the single most well Steph Curry. Okay, maybe so second most gravitational pull of any player in the NBA in, in that a whole defense has to be locked in on this dude 24. I mean, the guy, he's, he's a one man battering ram, right? He's, he's a one man elite offense. And, and to that point, the Dallas Mavericks have, have built the roster around Doncic to accentuate his abilities and make things as easy as possible offensively, right? That team is loaded with great shooters, Dorian Finney-Smith, 40 plus percent, Davis Bertans, whatever else you want to say about him. I mean, he, he was back to his elite shooting ways in, in, um, in Dallas, Kristaps Porzingis, uh, obviously not not our favorite, but as far as centers go, pretty good shooter. Um, on and on and on, the spaces that Doncic provides off the ball. All that is to say, all those factors that help Doncic be one of the best scorers in the league, maybe have artificially inflated Brunson's efficiency to some extent. And this was a point um, made by uh, a Twitter user and, and, and friend of the show, uh, Ace, Ace Zulo, uh, who everyone should go follow because he has a lot of good draft stuff and, and, and a lot of good just player analysis stuff. Um, but he was making the point that a lot of you watch Brunson's offense and it's very meticulous and time consuming to some extent, almost in a way like a more efficient Julius Randle where he's making a move, then a counter move, then a second counter move, then a third counter move. And then right when you think he's done, he, he's then taking like a pump fake and then another two steps to get to the rim. And and his craft is so high. His skill level is so high. I would argue like maybe one of the 20 to 30 most skilled basketball players on the planet offensively. Like he, he, he is that deep of a bag. But that stuff works better when you have shooters that you need to stay attached to. And not, not that the Knicks are going to have terrible shooting around him by any means. Like they can throw, uh, hopefully Obi Toppin's improved in that capacity. Obviously, Quentin Grimes is going to play. I think despite our concerns, like he'll, he will play a decent amount, at least with the manual quickly. But that being said, it won't be what he had in Dallas. He's always going to have a center around the rim. While in Dallas, they made it their mission to rarely have a center around the rim, playing someone like Maxi Kleba at the five a pretty good amount or Dwight Powell who can at least provide a modicum of spacing. All that is to say, Alex, I don't know if he's going to have the same ecosystem to thrive that he will on the Mavericks. And look, he's going to become a better player on the Knicks, right? He's still 26 years old. The guy is a absurdly hard worker. Um, He's smart. He's sharp. Obviously the Knicks player development has been really, really good. So maybe there's some tricks to the trade that he didn't quite pick up in Dallas that he could pick up in New York, but things are going to in turn be proportionately more difficult. And I think if you're throwing him four years, a hundred million, four years, 110 million, given the depth at the point guard position in the NBA, and given that, I don't know, I think you have a pretty good in-house option in Emmanuel quickly. I think the burden would be on Brunson to be a better player by the middle of that contract or the end of that contract than he is now. And I'm not sure that's going to be the case. Yeah, I'm not positive either. It's certainly a lot of money to be throwing around, but if you want to not, Throw a lot of money around and fix your car. You need to check out rockauto.com. And this episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why would you want to go in there and deal with all their annoying questioning that just never seems to end? And you come in, you know what parts you need, and then they ask you a billion questions you don't know the answer to. And then quote you a part that makes your eyes bug out of your head when you see the price because they're quoting you the part that they sell from their warehouse, probably the most expensive brand that they have because they want to make the most commission. It's just not a great situation for a buyer on top of the fact that they never have it in the store. You always have to get it shipped to the store 
and then go pick it up there. It's just overall a hassle. And honestly, not worth dealing with when rockauto.com exists. You can save time and money when you use Rock Auto. Why would you want to spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or ugh, a car dealership? For example, if you need to fix the family van, a Honda Odyssey fuel pump is $353 from a chain store and just $216 from rockauto.com. On top of it, Rock Auto is a family business. They've been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, so you know they're going to take care of you, and they're not going to charge you more just because you're a do-it-yourselfer instead of a professional mechanic, which those chain stores, by the way, will do. So go to rockauto.com right now, and you can see all the parts available for your car or truck. And if you decide to pick something up, right, locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com all right, to, so to respond to what you ended the last segment with there, Gavin, um, I, you know, I, I think I'm, I'm sort of with you. Like, I wonder if there might be almost a, a Julius Randle effect to what happens to Brunson with this contract where, I mean, it's going to be a lot of pressure. You know, the Knicks will be signing him to be, if not the top option, a top option on this team. And we already saw that happen with Randall, right? Where he came in, he was the the big prize acquisition for the Knicks in 2019 and had a tough 2019-20 season and cited that and was very honest about it in his breakout 2021, then gets paid again this past offseason and all of a sudden has another year where it seemed like the pressure got to him. And, you know, it was tough for him to live up to being the highest paid player on the Knicks. Well, I mean, newsflash, like if the Knicks get this deal done, even if they don't move Randall and even if their plan is to keep Randall going forward, Jalen Brunson's about to become the highest paid player on the Knicks, potentially. Like if he gets a deal, let's say it's the Jake Fisher reported one that where it goes up to potentially like four years, 110 million. That's an average value of 27 and a half million a season. That will make him the highest paid player on the team. Short of no, our, well, no uh, I think I think Randall's still ahead of him, right? Because this is four years, 117 million i randall's had incentives built in so i I think for the moment it would make brunson higher paid but either way i you know and obviously i don't think randall hit any of his incentives last year so that number has probably gone down there should have been some disincentives in there that would have helped things (laughs) yeah yeah so i mean if if it hits that high brunson will be the highest paid player either way he'll be one of the two highest paid players on the team even with randall I think that puts a lot of pressure on him, you know, and and to be like the point guard that the Knicks are signing. I mean, that's that's a lot. And to your point, yeah, I, I do think he would need to show some improvement and prove more that this postseason is the Jalen Brunson that we're going to see going forward. More so than even like the player he was during the regular season, which was honestly a great player, but probably a guy more that would get paid in the range like what Dallas was thinking, which was like, you know, whatever, like four years, 80 to 88 million, something like that, like low 20 million a season uh, versus, you know, being closer to a max player or at least a a somewhat max player for what his max would be. Um, So, yeah, I I have my worries about it. It's it's going to be interesting to see unfold. I'm really curious how the team building is going to go from here, like what the next move is going to be after that. Um, What do you do to make life easier on Brunson? How do you use your exceptions? to, you know, fill out the roster. What's going to happen with Mitchell Robinson? You know, are they going to re-sign him? Which there's been 
some back and forth reporting about that as well. I think the chances of the Knicks re-signing him probably got quite a bit better when Detroit and uh, wound up trading for Jalen Duran in the draft because that would have been a potential suitor for him. But I don't think that's going to necessarily happen now because they just invested a, a draft pick, ironically, that they got from the Knicks uh, into Jalen Duran, which would mean probably not going after Mitchell Robinson. So little 4D chest by Leon there, I guess. But um, yeah, I I, I kind of wonder then, you know, like, so is your move basically just going to be sign Brunson, re-sign Mitch, and then more or less run it back with Brunson on the roster? And how much better does that make the team than last year? And, you know, how sure are we that Brunson is going to be, a, like you said, a huge upgrade over Emmanuel quickly to the point where it justifies using all these assets and cap space just to create the space for him. I have no doubt Brunson's going to be a good player wherever he ends up, whether it's the Knicks or the Mavs. But unfortunately, because of the bidding war that has now emerged, no matter where he ends up, it's it's going to be a pressure cooker. Like it's going to be, uh, well, I shouldn't say no matter where. If he goes back to Dallas and he's just super high paid, he's still behind Luka Doncic. And, you know, his role is pretty well defined. If he ends up on the Knicks, though, I think things start to get a little more complicated with him going forward. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm always I'm always a little torn on, on on these things, right? Because he represents like, look, like there's even if quickly hits our highest expectations, I'd be shocked, I'd be stunned if he was a better player than Jalen Brunson next season. Brunson at 26 is where I want quickly to be at 26, ideally, right? Like four, three, four years down the line from now, he's already he, the dude is established. He, he's he's a bona fide, ridiculous NBA scorer, despite being stocky and and maybe 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 six feet tall he he toasts dudes and what is it like 37 percent from three i think he's 99th percentile in the nba at finishing around the rim not the defender that quickly is but a, a talented passer who can like sling backdoor cuts with with either hand uh just craft on craft on craft the guy makes you better right away the the question is what is the knicks motivation to get a bit better, right? Are, are we are we talking about this is a conversation we always have, but it's it's worth having again given this news. Are we talking about continued NBA purgatory here? Are we going to be the sixth seed and, and lose in the first round every year in, in five or six games? There has to be a follow up move. And Alex, I think if I can if I can speak for the fan base, I don't know if I have that right, but I'm I'm going to try. I think people are a little little nervous now coming out of the draft where it's it's reasonable to ask, is there a coherent plan here? I mean, Cam Reddish to me represents that idea in one player. This is a guy you gave up a first round pick for without having a long conversation with your head coach. Hey, if we get this dude and we sacrifice what in the modern NBA is a very significant asset to go get him, are you going to play this guy at the very least 20 minutes a game? And the answer was pretty much no. There was clearly not a lot of communication. There wasn't any kind of streamlined organizational thinking. And if you don't have that, you're not going anywhere as a franchise because all the best teams in the league are there not only because they have brilliant guys um, both on the bench and in the front office, but because everyone is moving in the same direction. And this reddish thing where now maybe they're going to deal him just to have room for Brunson is looking more and more like a situation where everyone had different thoughts and no one communicated that. And in turn, they go and get Brunson it's the logical next step if your goal is is seemingly the goal of every Knicks general manager for the last two decades, which is I just need to keep my job. I just need to find a way to keep my job. But if the goal is, again, what is 
what is the move that is going to make the New York Knicks the best team possible three, four, or five years from now? I continue to question whether that long-term thinking is there. And I would love to be proven completely wrong on that because, again, I think we both agree that this front office has done a lot of stuff right. And as much as last summer didn't work out, I, I've said this again and again, I feel weird ripping them for it because at, at the time we were all on the same page. Things were looking good. It seemed like it made a whole lot of sense to add more offense and more shooting. It didn't work out. And the question is, I mean, what makes a good general manager? Look, every GM makes really, really substantial mistakes at some point in their tenure. It's how do you rebound from those mistakes? And the first round of that, where the Knicks moved off the 11th pick in the draft, didn't look very good. I think if it's paying Jalen Brunson $110 million to cover everything up, again, you're you're doing that assuming that this guy is going to be, at the very least, in the mix for all-star games year in and year out. He might be that dude. I don't know if he's that dude outside of Dallas. And, and that's that's where I'm worried. And I'm worried about, does he does he make you really, really good? Like, do you have a, a second move that makes you really, really good? Or are you just trying to be kind of what the Knicks were in 2021? 2021, sorry. Yeah, and to your point, like, some of his numbers, I just looked them up on Cleaning the Glass when you said it, so I was curious. Like, uh, at the rim, shooting 92nd percentile last year, 93rd percentile this year. His short mid-range game, 93rd percentile last year, 91st this year. His long mid-range shot, uh, 75th percentile last year, 80th percentile this year. All mid-range, you know, he's at about 90, 90th percentile for the last two years. Like, that's great stuff. He also, I mean, this is pertinent as well, uh, 95th percentile and 90th percentile the last two years in corner three, shooting almost 50% on those, which is crazy. Um, but, like, non-corner three is not quite as good. So, as I'm reading all that off, like, what does that sound like? It sort of sounds like some of the areas that R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle like to occupy, particularly Julius Randle. And then getting to the rim, you're consistently, you know, going to have a Mitchell Robinson there to your point too, which, or, or let's even say if it's not Mitch, you know, God forbid Nerland's Noel or something or uh, Jericho Sims, you know, who's not much of a threat outside of lobs. So it, it is a little worrisome, you know, it, it, that he might come here and have some of his best skills neutralized and, and that's a scary concept, you know, if, if you're looking to invest that much in him. And to your point, too, I, I think that the big test is just going to be at the front office shows that they're committed to building something cohesive here uh, and learning from the mistakes of last year, which I, I will also say, I mean, I was effusive in my praise of them last year, and I think they did a good job still, you know, to this day. I think they had the right idea. I think, unfortunately, in many ways, Tibbs kind of screwed them this year, like, not realizing 10 games in that Kemba Walker was completely cooked and benching him the rest of the year, no matter what, or like, you know, getting starry eyed over the, the games that he had when, you know, the rest of the Knicks had COVID and then, you know, giving him another 20 games after that sort of thing, even when he clearly was still not up to snuff. Like it's those sort of things that, that sort of damned this season this year, but like Evan Fournier, I've said a million times, actually played up to his contract. And I still think, you know, I think once Tibbs stopped trying to use him like Reggie Bullock, we really start started to see the player that he can be uh, when he's empowered to be more than just like a spot up shooter. And so like he was really good. You know, the, the drafting has still been great, which is what, again, made part of it was part of what made the, the trading out of pick 11 kind of frustrating because the Knicks really haven't had a bad draft yet. Um, in the Leon Rose era. So 
it was, you know, you were hoping to see something like that. Now all the eggs are in the basket of Jalen Brunson and, and what he can do. And if the team context does not set him up perfectly, things could potentially not look great with that contract because if you don't have a cohesive vision, if you're not building a team that's going to fit around this new guy that you want to, you know, be a focal point of the team, then you might run into the same thing as last year where it's just sort of trying to, you know, put a square peg in a round hole for a while until ultimately you realize, oh, well, so we got to shed some more of these guys that we just signed or drafted or whatever, because this just isn't going to work as constructed. So big test for Leon, big test for the front office. I'm intrigued to see how things go. And I wouldn't be surprised if we know fairly shortly after free agency starts, like just what kind of team this, this front office is trying to build. Yeah. And it's, I mean, look, it's, it's still, it's like, I'll be super excited to watch Jalen Brunson game one, the same way I was with Kemba Walker, last year. And I, I don't even want to, I don't want anyone to mistake that as a comparison. Jalen Brunson, he's going to come in and he's going to be a good player for the Knicks. What we're questioning here is the value and what the, what the follow-up move is ultimately going to be, but Hey, that's it for this conversation, but keep it with locked on Knicks. I'm sure we'll have some great guests and a lot more fascinating free agent conversations. There's a lot more to explore, including um, getting into some specifics on what we think those follow-up moves could be and whether the Knicks could make a big swing outside of Jalen Brunson or maybe on a player other than Jalen Brunson. So all that is to follow later in the week. But for now, he's Alex. I'm Gavin. Be good. Enjoy your week. Peace out. We'll talk to you soon.